0: Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so thrilled to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and thankfully, we have a lot of wonderful people we can call on to get the help and insight we need. So good hygiene, whether it's bathroom hygiene, hand and nail, foot hygiene, oral hygiene, bathing hygiene, hair hygiene, it all keeps us clean and healthy. When our children are babies and toddlers, we take care of everything from clipping nails to bathing their bodies to toiletry and clean clothes. But as our children get older, we start to step back. And we allow our children to take charge. Now, I'm not saying this always goes smoothly. Sometimes kids fight their parents on taking a shower. Or others let their toenails grow so much that they get holes in their socks. And we know, all know of those kids who just take any old clothes off the floor and wear them once again if it passes what they would call the sniff test. At least, well, it's not that bad. Now, is this a big deal? Sometimes it is. So we've got to talk to our kids about hygiene so that we understand why keeping clean is so important to our health and how we feel. And we're so excited to welcome back my next guest to the show, Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson, who you might remember from our show on food allergies. Bridging the digital divide between doctors and patients, Dr. Swanson, who is the chief of digital innovation at Seattle Children's Hospital, has blazed a trail of patient education using her voice through a variety of different channels in traditional and social media. Through her blog, her podcast and social media channels and her parenting book, she translates science and parenting information to the public. Swanson also regularly partners with reporters in traditional print, online and television media and makes weekly TV appearances in Seattle with the NBC affiliate King 5 News. Now, she hopes to transform this approach of pushing people away, maybe not including the parents, maybe not including the people that are coming to her, and making sure that patients are really understanding the science, that they feel empowered, and that we are learning from our peers and getting the expert advice online that we need to make sure that our families are healthy. Now you've already heard her talk about food allergies, and now we are moving on to this discussion of hygiene, so let's jump right in and welcome you once again, Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you, thanks for having me. So before we leap in, I'd love to get a take on why you became so interested in good hygiene and kids.
1: Well, it comes by just, you know, having kids around, like, it's kind of a disaster. But also, there is, you know, I mean, like, you learn the hard way, but you also learn, I mean, for me in pediatrics, like, hygiene actually is not all, you know, perfect hygiene in the standard way that I think our grandmothers and mothers thought about it It may not even be of great benefit. So Mm. talking about how do we live with bacteria in smart ways? and how do we get rid of the bacteria that we don't want? And then how, you know, do we even take care of kids amid different things like flu season, right? Like what is it that we're doing with hand washing? How are we sneezing and coughing? How are we staying home? How are we moving around in this world where we live with fungus and virus and bacteria and dirt and that some of that dirt's good and some of it isn't. Mm -hmm. So figuring out kind of how do we raise kids in that way? And I love, you know, one of the topics I really want oral health because the mouth is one of our dirtiest parts of the body when it comes from a bacteria standpoint. But how we care from the very beginning, from our baby's mouth to our own mouth, as we rear and kind of grow our kids in the same environment, really does change and set up them for different risks of disease and long-standing problems.
0: All right. So let's talk. Let's start there. Let's start with there. So if we're talking about oral hygiene, at what age should you start brushing a child's teeth? Well, no question. The very first
1: day you see a tooth, that Mm -hmm. tooth pops in usually somewhere between, you know, on average, it's about six months of age. Some kids will pop a lower, it's called a central incisor, those center teeth on the lower jaw, as early as four months. But really, as most moms know, most babies get them somewhere between six and 12 months. It's really hereditary um, when you get your teeth. So when mom and dad got their teeth, um, is tends to be a bit predictive and when siblings do but the minute you get that tooth pop through though is the minute you begin brushing your children's teeth every single day mm-hmm. and believe it or not and i think a lot of families are still catching up also want you to have fluoridated toothpaste from day 1 so we don't want you to wait to put fluoride in the toothpaste until they're 3 years of age we just want you to use a very little amount and we use it at the right times and the right ways which i'll go over but right from the beginning. You're brushing that baby's teeth first time you see that pearly white pop through the gum line. We want that to be cleaned every day after the last feeding and ideally another time in the morning
0: time. Oh, okay. So I'm curious then about what we're supposed to do as time goes. Now, we have to kind of begin to let go. We're not the ones who are constantly going to be brushing our child's teeth as they grow. So how do we let go? How do we ensure that our children are brushing their teeth well? And when is the time to sort of say, okay, you're you're the one who's brushing your teeth and taking the lead?
1: Well, yeah. So first of all, of course, your you know your baby and toddler and your young child, you are the one doing it, right? right? Because kids are you know drama kings and queens in the toddler years and preschool years, and like you just gotta kind of you know force your way through it. Now, lots of new toothbrushes with the electric models and the kind of um, vibrating toothbrushes have little timers on them and rewards, and there's even an app for some of the toothbrushes out there that help keep kids engaged with little characters and things. But about you know, I usually say I want a parent to be guiding and supporting. And modeling. So, either brushing their teeth at the same time as their child in the preschool years and school age years at night together until a child's about age, you know, basically eight, seven or eight, grade two. So, you want to, I always have this, this rule of twos, I think helps us remember. In an ideal world, you want your kids to be brushing their teeth for about two minutes so they can get to every surface of the gum line and every part of the teeth. You want them to brush two, two times a day and you want them to get your help until they're at least at second grade. But, I mean, I don't know. I have a third grader and a fifth grader, and they still need nudging and yes. reminding yes. and prodding. Yeah, right? I like, actually it's like wanted day, to ask you short.
0: exactly that. Because what yes. if it becomes a, a little bit of a fight or you find out that your child's right. sort of skimping? Like, what is it that we do in that scenario? Well, a couple
1: things you know dentists pediatric dentists again want you to use the fluoridated toothpaste from the very beginning they don't want you to rinse with water thereafter so let's say you got a skimper toothbrusher yeah. which i have one of those in uh, my I house
0: too. i do too i
1: also have a kid who is dishonest about <laughs> like I'll be like, did you brush your teeth? And he'll say, yeah. And then I'll like smell his mouth. I was like, give me a. Bit. Yeah, I
0: feel <laughs> like, the toothbrush. I'm like, this is not even wet. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, no so wet. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's pathetic, right? But <laughs> like, what is what, what the problem do? here?
1: But <laughs> yeah, no, right? No, but the, because it's just annoying, right? They don't see the value. They don't understand. But that you know, we know the most common chronic disease of childhood is you know dental dental decay. Yeah. The bacteria that live in your mouth are passed on from people in your life. So, for example, one of the reasons we want pregnant moms to see the dentist regularly, and particularly after a baby is born. It's because we kiss our babies. Of course we do. Like, they're delicious. Yes. And, you know, when we're kissing our baby, we are transferring the bacteria from our mouths into theirs. Mm. So if you don't have good bacterial control and you're not brushing your teeth well and you've got aggressive bacteria that are attacking that enamel, you're passing it on to your babies into their mouths, and then it starts to live there. So, again, it's this whole family model of understanding that dental hygiene and dental decay comes from aggressive bacteria that aren't cleared there and so a, a couple points you know brushing your teeth right in an ideal world is two minutes two times a day fluoridated toothpaste from the beginning with babies we want just a little rice kernel amount so not a lot of toothpaste on that baby or that toddler's toothbrush to think of like a tiny little dried up rice kernel that's the amount of toothbrush you smear all over the toothbrush so that they're not taking in too much fluoride right. and swallowing right, it right, once right. your baby can spit like you know three-year-olds most three-year-olds can spit three and four-year-olds once they're spitting then i'd say a pea-sized amount and that's all you need you do not need a lot more than that but one of the things you can do for them skimpers is know the data that ultimately once that fluoride is on those teeth and they get it around their mouth you can either do a fluoridated mouth rinse and then no rinsing with water or just make sure they spit out that last you know wad of toothpaste and and foamy stuff in their mouth and then they don't take water because You're leaving some fluoride on those teeth when they go to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And same thing for babies. You know, if you have a breast, if you're breastfeeding your baby and thing, you know, what in an ideal world you really want to do once they have teeth is not go right from breast into bed, but then brush the teeth and then lay your baby on their back to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. That interrupting that right from a bottle or right from breast to sleep because that, you know, breast milk and formula are full of sugar. Yes. And those sugars are natural good sugars, but those sugars really will coat the teeth and will lead to increased rates of, of, you know, dental decay over time. So with the skimpers, do your best, prod them along, create, you know, reward systems and brush with them. All the little antics that we do as part of the bedtime routine and morning routine. But, you know, one quick thing on that is that not rinsing with water will keep some of that blood on the teeth. And then seeing your dentist every six months. And that's from the very beginning. It used to be that family dentists and pediatric dentists said, okay, well, just brush your you know use tap water cuz it's got fluoride in it don't use only bottled water with your kids and then see us at 3 no longer the case i mean pediatric pediatric dentists and the american academy of pediatric dentistry says see your pediat you know pediatric dental provider at the first tooth eruption and then every 6 months thereafter so that includes when your kid is just getting all those teeth through the toddler years you do want to see the dentist every 6 months for good cleaning and often they'll do a fluoride varnish. And some pediatricians are on the here in Washington State. We've been trained across the
0: state that we do fluoride varnishes as well to really prevent yes. decay over time. Yes, I know. I love that. I was like, oh, I wish I had that when I was little. Because, I mean, I tell my kids straight out that you know, I had cavities when I was, you know, mm-hmm. seventh, eighth grade, that kind of thing, and I, I certainly don't want them going down the same path. I have, you know, we're flossing. I, we did not do that type of stuff when when we were younger. We just, I remember back when they, they, some, the nurse would come to our classroom and she would teach us about oral hygiene. We, there was these like red pills or something we would chew, and they would get all over our teeth so that we could see what we were supposed to brush. Now it's, you know, they're talking a lot more about flossing and, you know, we're going yeah, in the right the direction. Yeah, the data on flossing,
1: yeah, it's funny. I mean, flossing, most pediatric dentists will say, well, you get, you can tell kids, you know, about four out of 10 parts of the gunk in your mouth or 40% you get with flossing that you'll miss with just a standard yeah. toothbrush. Ooh, and then I like and that. That the last thing I want to say, it's true, I mean, but the last thing I want to say too is smart snacking. I mean, one of the things I learned as I started partnering with more pediatric dentists is ultimately that after each bite that you take that so even like a sip of a latte so this is for moms too i mean a sip of a latte is full (laughs) milk right and for 20 minutes after that sip of a latte you have acidic change in your mouth that make the bacteria that eat and chew at your enamel active and change after 20 minutes the kind of the spit around your mouth kind of washes over your teeth and clears it but if you snack like a toddler or you sip a latte like i do all morning long it's actually really bad for our teeth so smart snacking of nuts and cheese and things but not fruit fruit leathers or fruit roll-ups and not even like goldfish crackers and crackers that stick and adhere to the teeth or like a bagel that stuff really does lead to more and more decay so you know a sippy cup full of juice the reason pediatricians and dentists hate it is that it's it's just a really high sugar load and kids sip it and then for 20 minutes after all those bacteria are chewing at that enamel and then they take another sip 20 minutes after yeah. chewing at the enamel so if you're going to give your kid a cup of juice do it but just do it in one sitting right take it away like, I call it liquid candy
0: it's like just sitting on your teeth but yep. I, I totally agree yeah so so at this time of year when everybody's getting sick <laughs> so that's what's happening that's all yep. we hear about right well, now we're having a big flu season Oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. Everyone is sick and with significant illnesses. Yes. So we know hand washing can be a saving grace. And we've heard that from the beginning of time, it feels like. So what are some hand washing tips and tricks that we can teach our kids? I mean, I I like to tell my kids, like, don't stick your fingers in your mouth, your nose, your eyes, your ears. But, you know, we need to we also need to wash our hands. So what can we do to get them to wash their hands well and and really help to prevent some of this illness?
1: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, it's really tough, right? Kids don't like to do it and they do it inefficiently. So hand sanitizer has been this awesome crutch that we have, which I love, right? It's easy when you're on the go. I mean, we want kids to wash before they eat, right? Because some illnesses are transmitted from what's called fecal-oral or just basically oral transmission. So, you know, when you've got the stomach bug going around to daycare or going around to school, I mean, it's contaminated surfaces that people touch and then they touch their mouth and they get it. So, I mean, I, however you want to get. I mean, it's little teeny fecal contamination that'll get into the mouth. So always washing hands before eating is just a standard rule. If you do it at home yourself before food preparation and you do it at home with your kids before any meal, it will become more and more of a habit it's one that i think is probably one of our best of course after the bathroom i mean good grief that is hard with kids oh my gosh but they run the standard, out of there right? they barely turn I mean, off
0: the light what is the deal they with that?
1: run out of there I, yeah. well my kids don't even flush the toilets of god's sake oh my <laughs> like, goodness It's like so, a and, every parent it's like like a, it's disgusting. and i'm raising two boys yeah. yes yeah so yes. but of course before and after the bathroom or i mean the bathroom for sure. And then before eating, I yes. um, and, and then, you know, like this time of year, it's really thinking on, okay, of course it's hand washing, but it's also thinking about infection control of like, well, what do we do with our hands? We know we touch our faces constantly. Yes, so we know if we've got a runny nails. nose, how about that one? That would be it, good. It, yeah. Well, that's a really hard one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's a nervous habit. That's yes. really almost, you know, at a different level of consciousness that kids are doing of that. Course. But, uh, but I think, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, when they're coming from outside, right. At transition. I mean, think about it as transitions in life before eating, after the bathroom, Mm. after you've been playing with a pet, after you've been outside, that those kind of hand washings are there. But then thinking about, okay, well, this time of year, you know, we know that the reason that influenza is spiking right now is it's getting spread around. The reason it's getting spread around is we're in close quarters more. We're not as outside as much. The windows are open. Our houses are closed and you cough and it goes into the droplets or you wipe your. Your nose and you touch a counter and somebody touches the counter and then they touch their nose and they've given themselves the viral material that kind of oh, causes infection right. so it is really teaching kids that keeping their hands clean is really important and that includes like if you're coughing or sneezing you're doing it in your elbow and honestly ensuring that your kids do that covering their cough from the very beginning and doing it yourself where you're using your elbow not your hands you're just more likely not to then contaminate surfaces and contaminate other people so even you're not touching you're things with your hands. elbow Yeah. (laughs) And then just two other reminders, I'd say it's like, right. yeah, right. And then two other reminders, I'd say is the, you know, washing long enough. So, you know, kids will like put their hands under the water really quickly. It's actually the act of physical, you know, the hands going back and forth, that friction, that tends to be more effective even than the soap itself. Oh, interesting. At least 15 seconds of going back and forth. And then a note on soap, you know, we don't want you to use antibacterial soap. There's no that it it improves the health of your family or the health of the population. And they then add, FDA basically regulated to get the ingredients that uses the claim for antibacterial out of these out of the products in, that are sold over the counter. So don't think that you have a lot of added protection from antibacterial. It's really the act of friction and water mm. in 15 seconds. So right. even if you're in a plate, let's say you're at a park and there's no soap left in the container, don't forego going under the water. Going under the water mm. and washing those hands, even without soap, yeah. is still worth the effort.
0: Oh, I like this. You know, my my daughter says you're supposed to sing "Happy Birthday" while you wash your hands. I know. Yeah. Well, that's like the 26 second thing.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I we did that for a while. It never worked. So no. good luck. I love the adage. Like it's never worked for my family to sing "Happy Birthday" all around the clock. Like nobody does it. So I don't know. No. I can't get them to do it. Yes. so Now I'm just more focused on you know like you know count to
0: thirty, count to twenty. Yeah. Could count you rub your 50, hands together at least five times? You know, and then teaching times, kids Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Better than nothing. Yes. Better than nothing. Yeah, yes, better better than than nothing. nothing. So you know what else is rampant, um, and, and this has been going around in my child's classroom like crazy cakes right now, is head lice. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just permeating my daughter's grade right now, it feels like. And it's, it's one contagious situation. Um, so is head lice a, a health hazard, a sign of poor hygiene? Is there something we can do to prevent it? What can we do about it? What's your take on that?
1: Okay. First and foremost, head lice is disgusting, right? It's disgusting. I mean, all of us who get crawling out in your hangar, the
0: nose from
1: school, yeah, you get the nose, and you brace yourself. I like, know. oh god, it was going, go and crazy. my son that once had it yep. repeatedly when he was in preschool, over and over yeah, again. Yeah, my daughter had it twice. It's just the and
0: yeah. it's, it's just yuck. No, you don't want that.
1: So, number one, it's not a hygiene thing. So, I can't say it loudly enough. I mean, it just this is not. This is not because somebody did keep their house clean. Not because right. somebody didn't keep their kid clean. Not because somebody didn't keep a class classroom clean. And it is also, though, not a health hazard. It's just a yucky inconvenience. And that has moved even the American Academy of Pediatrics, you know, in the last decade to make up guidelines to say, you know, those nurses who knit checks and who look at kids and do lice checks. Nobody need, needs to go home from school anymore because it's true. It's not, we don't want kids to have absenteeism because of little bugs crawling around their scalp, even though it's gross and kind of unsettling. It isn't dangerous for a child. Mm, it's just
0: interesting. yucky.
1: right? So, you know, number one, a couple of things, the over there generally work very well. And, you know, they work in different ways, but most of them are um, basically what are called neurotoxic. They basically paralyze the lice itself. They kill the lice from living and they often will be what's called ovicidal, where they kill the eggs as well. You put them in your kid's hair, you take them out. You often will repeat them in seven to 10 days after and you're kind of done with it. Lice only live about 24 hours after not being on the scalp. They have to be in a warm environment to survive and they need some sort of blood supply. So the good news is too, like I get that icky, icky feeling about my house once my kid has had lice. Well, you wash everything in hot, and you don't, and you go vacuum if you want, and you make sure you, you know, throw the brushes in the dishwasher or throw them in the freezer overnight. But ultimately, your house is not contaminated for a lifetime. Here, I mean, mm-hmm. after 24 hours, that a lice is not sitting on a scalp, it's a goner. I mean, it just can't survive, and the eggs are the same way. So you don't have to go completely banana brains. You know, once <laughs> your child has had lice and you've eradicated it, but the one thing to also know about is there are some resistant strains, and there have been some studies, and I. I a bug recently about this data, but ultimately in 2016, they surveyed 48 of the states and different bugs from all over the country. And every state had some degree of resistant bugs, meaning that some of these bugs have genetically changed to resist some of the typical and most common ingredient. is an ingredient called permethrin that's like in something like Nix um, or RID. And so there are some prescriptions... Medicines that can vary in one time treatment get rid of lice as well. So, you know, most of the time when kids have repeated infections, it's because they're going back to school and they're getting reinfested. That lice is crawling from one kid's head to another kid's head. It's not as common that they go through hairbrushes or hats or costumes or clothes. It really is kids playing in close contact and like the bug jumping from one scalp to another. But if your kid gets it a second time and then you're just pretty sure they're not getting reinvested, then go to the pediatrician or family doc and ask them because there are some prescription medicines that might be a little bit expensive, which is why we don't always use them. But there are some resistant strains across the country, too. So talking to your pediatrician, are you, you know, even if your kid gets it the first time, you could make a quick phone call and say, hey, are you seeing a lot of resistant strains in our community? So should we just go right to the
0: prescription or do you think I can use the over the counter? Okay, so the over the counter is the answer from the beginning. What about the, the I, I've seen, you know, the things that you can use to spread on your kid or you know on their hair yeah. It's yeah. shampoos that are sort of preventative do those work
1: yeah we had those I mean so those come from the community of folks who don't want to use these kind of neurotoxic chemicals and that's fine i mean if you're a family who's saying i mean these are approved by the fda these are safe to use particularly for one time and particularly in kids over the age of six months you know one time i'm not that concerned about their safety but if you really want to have an approach where you're saying i don't want to use a medicine that kills the nervous system of this bug on my kid fine there are are some that are kind of suffocating agents, and then there are these like you know lice combing places. So I did take my kids yes, to one of these lice combing places where they use oil basically to suffocate the lice, and then they comb and comb and comb and comb, and then you go back a week later and they comb and comb and comb again, and you can do it. They're just a little bit expensive, um, and then they'll do these preventative sprays and things. I don't think there's a lot of data that you can spray your kid with this weird smelling stuff, and the bug's not going to crawl on It's hair. like citronella. I mean, Smells know, like all-
0: citronella. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I just don't think that's a great strategy, to be frank. I mean, I think it's kind of getting involved in your school when there is an outbreak and making sure that they're kind of cleaning up and vacuuming at the end of the day, that they're having everybody in the school check their kids and they're really looking behind the ears. I mean, the most common place to find these little guys is like behind the ear and the lower hairline and making sure you're really doing a good check. I mean, it's hard to check for knits, you know, knits are the casings from the the lice and eggs on the shaft. Yes. yeah, and they look like dandruff, and it could be. So it's hard to do that. And so it's really, you know, having and arming parents with good kind of checks in that way and then either doing a really good mechanical comb out and then also doing treatment and following the guidelines where if the bottle for the over-the-counter medicine says treat and then treat in 7 to 10 days, you got to do the 7 to 10 days. Okay. And in the meantime, not going bananas, but still, you know, washing all the clothes and, and hot water and vacuuming around where your children play. So
0: if, um, so if, it, if it occurs, don't panic do what you need to do, get rid of it, keep keep checking and hopefully make sure that we don't reinfest ourselves because we're going to clean everything, but I mean really you can't do everything about it, but you can say to your child, "Let's let's not hug, uh, you know, hug our friends right now in class because it's going around your class. Let's try not to share the hats and the hairbrushes and maybe we can uh, you know, play without uh without putting our heads together so much yeah good luck but yes (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think we can tell our
1: kids these things and then i think it goes in one ear and i know that's why it keeps occurring robin yeah the last (laughs) reminder is again if you're having a hard time it might be worth a quick phone call or a visit to the pediatrician too because some of these resistant strains are out there and sometimes a prescription med may do the trick but typically the usual first approach is just kind of getting rid of it and um doing the aggressive combing and using the counters And then to your point, doing your best to contain it.
0: <laughs> so before we get to your your final crucial tip, I read somewhere that you're supposed to be having your kids shower twice a day. What is your uh, advice on how often a child should bathe or shower? What? I know. I couldn't I believe it when I read I that. Who that even has from? the time?
1: Yeah, no way. I mean, One of the things I think we do is in this kind of hygiene-engineered society is we might actually bathe some of our kids' babies too much. I I think so. Little babies, you know, the nice oil on their skin. They've got gorgeous skin. And sometimes we love the bathing routine because it's a ritual for infants. But I'd say, you know, most kids out there probably only need to be bathed every four to seven or ten days. Mm -hmm. Now, older kids, certainly school-age kids, we bathe them because they get grubby and they play with each other and they're Mm -hmm. sweaty and they're dirty because they're exploring the... The planet, but twice a day bathing. is crazy? I've never heard the advice, nor do nor could I recommend it from a kind of the integrity of your skin. I mean, I think you'll ultimately dry out the skin and, so. and the barrier that is the skin of the largest organ. On our body. So that's not coming from me.
0: No, no thank goodness. I've read it several times it because I was so shocked about it. And I was like, when? Uh, yeah, would, my boys certainly this? aren't
1: showering twice today. Let me tell you, that would be like an epic feud in the house every day. So I guess these kids get towards the tween age, you get into these battles of even getting a, a shower in every couple of days. But I think with athletic and playground and exposures, we love to have our kids bathe, you know, every couple days. Yes. Um, but again, it, you know, bathing tends to be stripping of the natural oils that are there. And that's part of the barrier in the skin. Mm. So it can be drying and kids with underlying skin conditions like eczema and, yes. and other conditions, you'll exacerbate that sometimes too. So nope, I'd say every couple days at maximum, once teens are going through puberty and, you know, those changes come, most teens, you know, either are resistant to and or want to bathe every day because of... Um, hygiene and yeah. their desire to actually appear all put together. And
0: maybe smell good, too, in the in the process. And It'd smell good, nice. too. I know. Wouldn't yeah. that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> so what is your top crucial tip when it comes to hygiene?
1: Well, I think number one, um, dirt is generally not dangerous, nor are lice, right? But that ultimately, the place that you want to think about really keeping very clean is the mouth. That's mm-hmm. probably the number one place you should focus and target in your life. And that's right from the very first tooth eruption using fluoridated toothpaste every single day on your babies and kids all the way through and taking care of your own mouth so that you're not transferring dangerous, dirty bugs to your baby when you're kissing them. And
0: then otherwise,
1: you know, it's really managing during infection times, keeping our hands washed
0: and learning to cough and
1: sneeze in um, smart ways like our elbows.
0: If we want to get some more information about you and all the things that you do, where can we go to get that information?
1: Thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm um, Seattle Mama Doc, M-A-M-A-D-O-C. So I'm on Twitter as Seattle Mama Doc. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Mama Doc Med on Instagram. And um, our, my blog, Seattle Mama Doc, is at the Seattle Children's Web page that I've been writing for nine years. So over like 800 blog posts on all things hygiene, oral health, um, allergies, vaccines, uh, parenting choices, and my own challenges with work-life balance.
0: Well, thank you so much for all of that great information. These are all the things that we probably have in our heads but don't know who to ask. So thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about good hygiene today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook or the Dr. Robin Silverman page. Let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm on Instagram. I'm gonna be putting memes up from Dr. Swanson right there on Instagram that you can share. And I'm under Dr. Robin Silverman. Love to have you up there. And if you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review this podcast, more people will learn about Dr. Swanson and all of these great tips. I'd love you to do that. I'd really appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there, great show notes as well, and I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when we fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. You really are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week